Hi, TABC. We are starting a podcast. Um, we're going to see how it goes and and who it helps, and we'll kind of go from there. But for this first time, we just want to welcome you in and uh, thank you for being with us. We have decided to do a podcast to help equip um, you guys as followers of Jesus and to just help you to do that well. So um, that's what this is. It's an equipping podcast. Hopefully you feel blessed by it. So today what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and discuss parenting. And uh, what we want to do is is equip you guys, empower you guys, give you guys resources to help you disciple and raise your kids well. So um, it's pretty simple. As as student pastor um, and children's pastor here, it's it's my goal to just work alongside you guys as parents and and really give you tools in your tool belt to raise your kids well and to just assist you in that as much as possible. So if I didn't introduce myself, I'm Jordan. Like I said, I do I do children and students here. And so that's kind of what we're going to try and do today. So I hope it's good for you. So, you know, I only I only have two kids. I am not yet an expert on parenting. So what I did was bring in two experts on parenting. And so today they laugh as I say that. Today we have Pastor Al and Connie Earhart with us. And so if you've been with us at TBC for more than a year and a half, you remember that they've been here for a long time and we just love them so much. So guys, thank you for, from South Carolina for being with us today. Yeah. Our, our privilege to join you, Jordan. Cool. Good to see your smiling face. Yes. Yeah, that's right. We can see each other now. This is, this is just audio luckily because I'm kind of (laughs) mess today, but but our voices are enough. So for those of you who don't know, um, Pastor Alan Connie, I mean, you guys were here at TBC for, was it 23 years? Am I close on that? Yeah, 23, 24, something like that. Yeah. So here for a long time, many of our listeners probably know and love you guys a whole lot. Um, and you guys, and you have a lot of close friends here still. Me and my family, you, we're so close to you guys. And, uh, you know, before we did the podcast, before you left, we were always going to you guys for things. And so this is just another chance for you guys to kind of pour into us. So we're just really glad to have you for sure. So, okay, we're going to, we're going to jump in and just fire some questions at you guys. They, you guys have had some time to think on these and really just looking to draw some wisdom from what you guys have to say. Um, so let's start with kind of some general questions about parenting and, and you guys can kind of go back and forth on these or whoever wants to answer can do it, but let's just start with the question of, did you guys, cause you have two kids and you can kind of tell us a little bit about them if you want, but did you guys always know that you were going to have two kids and, and for couples considering starting families, you know, how do they decide a number or how do they know they're ready? Well, we, we, um, we, we both talked about it and I, what I would say at the, uh, for the main thing is to just talk about it together and we decided that we were ready after a couple of years, and then we moved and started youth work. And so we 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 both sat down and talked again and decided maybe that wasn't the right time. So that's what I would say is just the main thing is to talk about it, talk about how many you want. You know, God knows how many you need. And for us, because we were in ministry, uh, we decided after two that we had enough <laughs> and that we wanted to pour into a lot of other people. And for us, you know, two is enough. And I have a brother that has 12. Yeah. So, you know, two wouldn't have been enough for him. So it's really individual, but be on the same page. I, I think uh, 
I think there's a sense in which you never feel like you're ready. <laughs> um, yeah. But you do feel like, I think for us, we realized it was the right next step for us to take. But you can talk yourself out of it easily with finances and all that kind of stuff. If you think too long about it, you'll never, right. you'll never do it. Yeah, that's so true. So for those of us who don't, who are listening and don't know your family well, tell us about your two boys and what they're into and where where they're at. I got I got to take a phone call. I'm sorry, Connie. <laughs> it, 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 it looks like this is now your question. So tell us tell us about your boys, Connie. All right. Well, Brad was our oldest, and he's 40 now, and uh, he has five kids, and teaches law in Knoxville, and his sweet wife Robin, and then Ben is 37 and he <clears throat> has three kids and <clears throat> excuse me and lives here in Rock Hill and is a dentist and we we have a good relationship with them um but anyway that's that's our two boys now cool um, that's good. Hey, PA, it's just so funny man that even in retirement you're taking important phone calls like nothing's changed for you. That's so that's so funny. I'm sorry, my car was in the shop and they had to call to get approved. I, envi- I envisioned some some church having an emergency and calling you for some advice on the fly. So that's what I thought that was. They did that too. Yeah, I'm doing some of that also. Yes. So. You're, you're not the kind of guy who in retirement sits out on the porch and, and drinks coffee all day. You're still you're still a doer. Gotta be. Yeah. Gotta be. Gotta be. Very much. Okay, next question I wanted to hit you guys with. Um, in raising your kids what were some of the biggest challenges that you guys faced? And then what, what kind of helped you through those things? What helped you overcome that stuff? Yeah, I I think, you know, I think it's a big challenge just getting started because um, you start out with kids and you're like, you realize, well, I've never done this before. It's kind of all new ground. And then the next thing you know, your kids move into a new phase and that's all new ground. And so it is a continual uh, process of, of growing and learning. And I think uh, we were blessed with um, stubborn, strong-willed children who pushed <laughs> our, our buttons and probably like a lot of your listeners. I'm, I don't think we were unique. I think a lot of you have them. And so I think we, we went to biblical, um, went to the Bible, we went to good parenting resources that were written by Christians. We talked to other Christian parents and we talked to parents who are a little bit farther in the journey than us. Um, but the main thing I think is you just, um, you don't quit. You just, um, you, we, we were committed to God and his word and, and the biblical truth that we knew from the Bible. And so we, we, we didn't quit. We just, um, we kept doing what we knew were biblical principles with our kids. And, and, and I'll be candid at times, both of us thought, gee, Willikers, this isn't working. Um, our kids aren't getting it, but we were committed enough to Christ and his truth that we didn't have anywhere else to go. And so we kept doing that. And I think, um, Tom bore it out that that was the way to go, and, and it did. It did basically work in the end. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, something that I hear from from parents of my students, you know, they struggle between because they've got kids who are who are pushing their buttons in this stage of life too. So, I want my 
teenager, child, whoever, to respect me, but also to love me and be affectionate towards me. So how they ask, how how do I balance relationship and rules and my family? I think that's something that a lot of parents struggle to do well. Do you guys have any insight for that? Yeah, we 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 always told our kids that we loved them. And we we really worked at explaining to them the guidelines and that we were the authority and God meant for us to be the planners of our family and whether the, whether they necessarily liked it or not we told them that you know God placed us as their authority and we were going to be responsible to 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 him and so you know kids aren't always going to like the way that you plan the rules and the guidelines that you have but in the long in the long term, it gives kids great security to know that somebody does have a plan. Kids that grow up in a family where there's no plan and where basically they don't have boundaries, they're very insecure. And yeah. so uh, I would encourage mm-hmm. parents and grandparents, and we set boundaries with our grandkids. Mm-hmm. They're also poor too. <laughs> yeah. I, I would just, I'd just say this, that I think probably – is very typical for children because they're incredibly clever. Uh, they will try to manipulate, try to manipulate you with things like, "Well, you don't love me," or mm-hmm. "I don't respect you," or "I don't think you're a good, you're a bad parent." They will try to shame you and guilt you into caving in on things, and and you just got to be, you got to just be like tough enough to say, "Well." That whatever, whatever, but this is the answer. This is the way it's going to be. It's like you have been listening to Bedtime at the Steinman home. It's like <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's normal. It's normal. Yeah. Um, this is a thought I'm just having it. And so tell me if I'm on the right track or not. But Paul in the New Testament, he tells believers, he tells the ones he's kind of raising spiritually, hey, you guys follow me as I follow Christ. And maybe that's even something parents can kind of think about too. You guys are following us and we're, I mean, we're following our father too, just the same way you follow us. So that might be something too. I don't know. So, okay. So you don't have to choose between relationship and, and rules. They really kind of feed each other if you're doing it the right way. Cool. You know, I, I had the privilege of recently hearing Andy Stanley um, speak live about parenting just a little bit, he and his wife together. And and I was kind of taken aback by something he said. He said the main thing that he and his wife focused on when they were raising their boys um, was that after they left the home, they would still want to be around each other and around their parents. And that was kind of the goal. So I don't know. I don't know that I love that or or fully believe that, but I don't know. I wanted to put that out to you and see what you thought about it. I, I mean, I, I, I think I think that's good. I think obviously you want your kids to get along and love each other as well as love their parents and for the family relationship to uh, to go on. I, I I don't think I had quite as lofty a goal. My goal was to get my children to eighteen without them hating us, hating God, or hating the church <laughs> uh, as pastors. Kids. Um, you know, and, and I'll say let me say about this. I think. Um, with parenting, I think both 
usually, maybe it's one-sided a lot of times, but I think with us, each of us at different times had unreal expectations of our children. And the other one would speak into our life to walk us back from the edge. Yeah. you know, because I think we're trying to we're trying to get this right. We we're trying to balance love and discipline, grace and truth. We're, tr- we're trying to balance all this stuff. I- I've been thinking a lot lately about. I'm preaching on Father's Day here at the church that I'm helping, uh, um, and I'm going to talk from the passage in Ephesians where it says to fathers, "Do not exasperate your children, but to raise them in the, the training and instruction of the Lord." I think the Colossians version of that says. Um, do not embitter your children. We didn't want to exasperate them, but we wanted to train them. And so it's a balance of, of love and discipline. And one thing we used to do with our kids as they got older, we had, we'd have like a family council and we'd all sit down in the living room and we would talk about, usually it was, it was generated by the parents because there were some issues that we needed to just in a calm fashion, lay out before the kids of what we we're trying to do. But it was also an opportunity where they sometimes would push back and tell us what they didn't like. Yes. And it was a chance for us to hear from them what was going on without laying down the mantle of being the authority in the home. Yeah. So, again, it's always a tension uh, with with parenting. The, the, the family council was good because sometimes one parent was really frustrated or sometimes the other parent was really frustrated and to come together and kind of air those <laughs> kind of let the kids air their frustration and the parents frustration and then to work it out together as a family was we thought was pretty healthy. Yeah. That sounds so great. Um I think it's important for people to know that you didn't just up and start doing that one day. You guys had laid foundation and groundwork of, of trust and openness before that. So, you know, for someone listening, if they haven't been hearing their kids ever to all of a sudden drop this on, I'm just going to throw them for a loop. But, you've, you know, you guys laid that groundwork and you built into that. So when you did it, it wasn't a surprise to them. Yeah, yeah let, me, let me interject this. And I think Connie was way ahead of me on this. She made it her job to know our children and to study them. And she has a notebook that goes back to when they were just like seven and four of characteristics and qualities in their life and things that helped us realize, oh, that's why Brad's reacting that way or that's why Ben is doing that. And so then a lot of times it helps you to not overreact, but also then to know how to build training into your children for, for what we, what you see. So know your child. And I use that. Um, I use that. It was called a mother's heart. It's still in print, but it was a way to pray for my children, their strengths to line out their strengths and their weaknesses. And I read it to them as adults. (laughs) They couldn't believe it. Oh my gosh. I bet that was so funny. It was, what's amazing is it was so spot on is that that's who they, that's who they are. And right. They four and seven, but it was very evident their strength. Oh, wow. At that time. That's so funny. That's great. Yeah. Okay. If, if we can get specific, we wanted to spend some time talking about students. So maybe like middle school, high school age, and then, uh, and then later kicking it over to Connie to talk about younger kids. Cause I know those are both giftings and passions for both you guys. So Pastor Al, if we can have your ear for a minute, just on older kids, there's a few things I want to talk to you about and get your insight on. And you were, for those who don't know, 
a student pastor and was it in Arkansas before you came to TBC? So yeah, I was in Arkansas for six years as a student pastor. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, that's obviously, like I said, a passion for you and a gifting as well. So, and I, and I, I mean, you interacted with students while you were here too, a whole lot. So you were always so good at that. And, uh, okay. So let me, yeah, let me shoot a few things at you if that's okay. So sure. something I wanted to get your, your perspective on pastor Al, do you see any recent trends in parenting, um, either good or bad and just, um, yeah. How do you respond to those when you see them? Yeah, I, I, I see several things. I, I think one of the concerns I think that's gotten a lot of playtime in lots of areas is, is social media. And without being anti-tech, which would be kind of foolish, I think it, um, I think it's dangerous in the sense, not that it's bad, but it's a, um, it, it squeezes out, but I think some things that are, are better and, and even more important, which is, being able to connect with people relationally face to face and all of the, all of the uh, opportunities that get, get met, missed when people are just got their face in their phone and there's this incessant texting and they're not reading and they're not exercising and they're not out in nature and they're not thinking deeply about what's really important. And so I, I think, um, again, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that are happening in the moment in teenagers' lives that if you if you think about it very much, you realize that in 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 five years or maybe in five days is going to be relatively insignificant. That that just captures so much of our time. So that's one concern I have. And the other thing, the other trend that I notice has two two sides to the sword. On the one side, I think I see that parents are doing better at talking with their teens. Uh, and, and recognizing that they're going to uh, become adults. But I think the other edge of the sword is I, I, it seems to me that parents are letting their children grow up too fast, that they're not, they're not matching their freedoms to their maturity level. And I think that is a dance, and that's going to be different with different mm-hmm. children. But um, I think the, uh, the danger is giving too much freedom too quickly to a child with a goal, realizing that at 18, they're going to be considered to be an adult in the, in the eyes of the law, they can leave and go off to K-State or KU or wherever. Um, so you've got to get them ready for that. So you have to give them some freedoms to get ready, but not to be too aggressive in that. Yeah. Uh, I just love how you, you reiterated that tech is not the enemy. It's, it's not about excluding tech from our lives. It's really about yeah. using it yeah. well. And, Um, I don't know if you've read this, but recently I read the tech wise family by Andy Crouch and it just puts tech in a great perspective if you're going to disciple your kids. And it was just really helpful for me. So, um, that's a good read if people are listening and want to, want to try that. Pastor Al, you, when we talked earlier, you mentioned the phrase, a parent centered home. And I thought what you had to say about that was really good. Could you expand just kind of what you meant by that? Yeah. And I, and I, and I borrowed this from, from some of John Roseman's teaching. Um, and he talks about the danger of a child-centered home where the parents are so concerned about the, the feelings of their children and what the children want to do and what the children's preferences are. And um, instead, I would like to suggest that the parents are far wiser, far mm-hmm. wiser than their, their children. 
they know far better what the family needs to be about and what we need to be doing. I mean, if you let a child choose what they want, they're going to eat candy all day and go to Disney World. I mean, that's what they want to do. That's, that's where they want to live. Well, that's a foolish example, but I think in lots of ways, parents need to give direction to the home. Uh, we are we are the ones that are going to be held responsible to by God one day for the direction of our children and, and how we're shaping their lives. And the, as Psalm 127 talks about our children being arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior, we're shooting arrows out into this world. And how we do that is, 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 is on us. We, we are the one, we're holding the bow in our hands to shoot the arrow. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think be the, it's okay to be the parent. You're not being mean. You're not being, don't be a jerk about it, but it's not a mean thing to be in charge. Yeah. Pastor Al, what are some mistakes that you see parents making with this with this age group? And maybe, I don't know, if you want to talk about some mistakes that you guys made in, in kind of raising teenagers growing sure. up. I, I, I think I'll start with my mistakes. Um, I think um, I lost my temper sometimes with my, <laughs> especially my children as they got older, they really knew how to uh, push my buttons. Um, children figure that out, I think. And I think it, sometimes I think it's a game for them. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, but they got good at it. Uh, I probably was too serious. Connie tried to counterbalance that. She has more play in her than I do in me. Um, and I think um, the other thing was I think I needed to, uh, I had to learn to major on the majors and minor on the minors and not to make things into too big of a deal. Hmm. As far as what parents are doing today, I, I I think what I would say in a general sense is there we're, we're, is what I just reiterate what I've just said. I think we have to monitor the, the tech influence and make sure our children are getting other kind of influences that are going to make them uh, uh, a more rounded, uh, balanced person as a, as a human being and as a person. And, and then also be sure that they're still the parent while letting their kids grow up and learning to listen to their children. Um, some, you know, there's the old axiom is, you know, in, in, in relationships is if you're working with a team, I don't have to have my way, but I need to have my way considered. So sometimes with your children, even it's not that they have to have their way, but they need you to at least understand what they're saying. And then you have a chance to say yes or say no. Yeah. Hmm. That's really good. Um, something I want to ask you about, Pastor Al, was just about how you transitioned your boys into manhood. If there was any kind of rite of passage or ceremony, because I feel like that's a really lost value in our culture. And a lot of men especially grow up and never have this defining moment. So we don't know we're men and we act out in ways because of it. So how did how did you handle that with your boys? You, you know, I, I, I think I missed that memo. Um, I didn't do any kind of real, real rite of passage event with our children, but um, we did interact with a minister one time that came to speak at our church when we were in Arkansas with little kids, and he had teenagers at the time, and he shared something with us that we applied to our parenting, and that is he talked about he was in the process of 
giving more and more responsibilities mm -hmm. and freedoms to his teenager as they grow older with the goal, with the end in mind that they could be released at 18 or 20 or whenever adulthood occurs. So for us, we were intentional about at some point, maybe seventh grade, I think it was, buying an alarm clock for our kids and saying, it's your job to get up in the morning. Um, Connie taught them how to wash their clothes and at 14 or whatever, they were responsible to wash their own clothes and to keep their room. Um, we wanted them to um, have a good work ethic. So we encouraged them uh, to, to get a job in the summers when they were in high school and to learn to work for people other than their parents. Um, we got them checking accounts. We, I taught them about budgeting uh, and then purposefully gave them more choices as they got older. And probably at about 15 or 16, there would be situations we'd say, well, this is what I think about the situation. I know you're asking about doing this, but what do you think? And then, and, and at times, if it was safe enough, we would say, you choose. Mm -hmm. While they, the idea was that if they missed the mark, they still had the security of the family nest to fall into versus being off at college and making some big mistake without that support system. So um, no rite of passage, but intentionality about giving them more and more responsibilities commensurate with their maturity. Yeah. And that, that stuff is, is equally important. I mean, everything you said is so good and that's just a part of leadership development, right? Where you, you give away some control, give away some decision-making and realizing that they're probably going to biff it a time or two, but just realizing that that's a part of growth and just yeah. giving them a net to fall into. when that happens is really key. And I'd like to add that, you know, it's, it's the idea when you start out with small children, that it's all about external discipline. But the goal is that through these teen years, they learn to develop their own internal disciplines mm -hmm. to do the right thing. It's not mm -hmm. just mom or dad making me do the right thing. It's it's them learning out of their character and their faith and those kinds of things to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be intrinsic because you're not going to be there always, right? I mean, ideally, they they might be living with you when you're 30, but that's not the yeah. uh, ideal. No, we had a 10-year-old told us, said, you know, I'm going to live with you, mom and dad, all my life. I'm going to live with you. Said, nope, <laughs> you're not. I don't know where you're going to live, but it's not here. <laughs> okay. This one's for both of you. Um, having raised two boys and they are now adults and you live near them and you get to see them, what's it like to walk with your kids as adults, and does it kind of make those times in the trenches worth it, where you're really shaping and molding them to get to enjoy them as adults? Is I mean, what's that like? Is that is that help in the hard times? Maybe. Um, yeah, I, we we have a really good relationship with both of our adult sons. We uh, we don't meddle in their lives. Um, they ask us for advice occasionally. Um, they still like to spend time with us. And I think both of us feared at times because we were disciplinarians that we, um, that they, that would be the part of growing up that they remembered rather than the love and the good times, but it didn't taint our relationship at all. And, and we can talk to them about that. And, and, and we have, and neither one feels like we were overly harsh. Mm -hmm. Um, 
one thing that we did, um, especially as they got older, but even when they were younger, when we would lose our temper or, you know, speak too quickly or too loudly, we would apologize if we, if we messed up and we, you know, we had a bad day and we reacted uh, poorly to them. We would just say, you know, I am so sorry. I reacted to you. Uh, your, you know, your attitude wasn't correct and wasn't right, but, you know, we apologize. And our oldest son was off. He went to Baylor and he, and he told us, he came home and he said, Mom and Dad, I realize that not very many parents do that. They don't apologize to their kids because he said, I've talked to a lot of other kids and their parents never do that. So that, that doesn't shine. That doesn't mean that you're a weak person because you apologize. But we need to, if we expect our kids to own their sin, we need yeah. to own ours. Yeah. Right. Yep. And it kind of just goes back to modeling things for them, right? It, just what you sure. said. You're not, you're not going to tell your kids to do anything that you guys aren't doing yourself. So that's so good. Because yeah. otherwise it's like, you're, why should I do this? You guys, <laughs> you guys don't do this. What's the, what's the deal? That's, right. that's exactly that's right. right. Yep. Okay. We're going to transition over to Miss Connie and Connie, you have, how many grandkids do you have, Connie? You have quite a few, eight grandkids and you, you love them so well and you have loved the kids at TBC so well while you were here. So I feel confident that we have a well qualified expert here with us today. So we're going to ask some questions of you. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is for you, what were some things you really enjoyed about raising young kids? And then also maybe what were some things that really were taxing for you or were really tough? Well, and I, raising, I would say um, some things that I enjoy about raising my kids, but some things that I enjoy about all kids and some things that I enjoy about my grandkids. So it would just be all kids. Sure. I, I love their ability to play because uh, I still like to play and it, it keeps us youthful. I think as parents, when you start, you know, when you can't play, when you can't be silly, I love kids' desire to learn new things or curiosity. Um, I love their vulnerableness and their ability to be free of themselves. I, I, I just really enjoy being with kids. I love, uh, I love to create with them. They'll just do anything. They don't have to have a structure. Uh, in fact, my kid, my grandkids yesterday were creating with those tiles that, that, um, the magnetic tiles and they were so proud of what they created. So in reading times, um, you know, I love the fact that they, they love stories. And so, uh, those were just some of the things that I love. And when I'm not around kids, I miss that, uh, something, some difficulties, uh, especially, well, I think with all kids and with my kids and my grandkids is just always being on duty, just the energy it takes to be on mm-hmm. all the time. You can identify with that, Jordan. Uh, just uh, it, it really takes some self-discipline to make sure that you recover <laughs> in between. Have, you know, we used to send our kids to their room for an hour when they were young, like two, two or three. You don't have to take a nap, but you just have to go to your room for an hour. They thought it was for them. It was really for you. <laughs> yeah, it was really for me. Um, another thing is just trying to stay calm during all their little accidents and uh, and their little outbursts and, 
and all that. Uh, and that, you know, that's always, that's hard because it's ongoing. And then another thing is just consistent discipline. It's just hard to stay consistent. Okay, great. Connie, something else I wanted to ask of you was what was something that you read or heard or did that was helpful to you as you were raising your young kids? The first, one of the first things that I'll never forget that I heard was when we were working with youth and we didn't have any children. And it was, I was taking a little piano, some piano lessons. And I remember the lady, she was like a grandmother. And she said, the best gift you can give your children is a good marriage. Hmm. And I, we carried that all the way through when we started getting off the path, you know, with getting so involved with our kids and our marriage was taking a toll. We said, we've got to take Make sure we have time for us. One of the things that youth, the youth group and our kids knew about was our date night. And our boys still have date nights. And a lot of our youth kids that were in our youth group, they still remember that date night on Thursday night because they couldn't come to our house. Mm. So that is really important to keep your marriage intact, keep that fire going in the midst of all the stress and strain of raising kids. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, another thing is just... Uh, you know, kids need their parents to be authoritative, uh, you know, not always wanting to be their best friends. You need to have other friends, you know, have girlfriends, mm-hmm. have Al needs guy friends. Your kids are probably not always going to be your best friends. They're not always going to think you're wonderful and great. And so, you know, get over that. They're <laughs> Yeah, get over that and don't use that as a metric for how well you're doing, right? No, that's right. That's no, right. and I and I just the last thing that I'd say is we took seven habits for highly effective people, and that that's not as uh, common nowadays. But it but the the last thing that 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 I remember that we we used all the way through parenting was begin with the end in mind. What do you want your child to look like at age thirty, at age twenty five? So what are you doing to develop that in your children? Hard, the, you know, are they going to, do you want them to be spiritual minded? Well, then you got to take time to invest in them spiritually, to pray with them and uh, encourage them, uh, talk about God in nature and talk about why you believe God, why you believe the Bible. Um, you know, all those things, discipline. We had, you know, we had our kids jog, run. You know, because we ran, we said we want them to be disciplined with their bodies. We wanted them to read, so we paid them to read. <laughs> we paid them per book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just different things that we did to motivate them. Sure. To, to, ha- to they had jobs, they didn't like them, but they had. Yeah. Because you knew the finish line, so you just asked yourself, "What do we do to get there?" So that's that's yeah. super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So Connie, you've raised two boys. So for moms with boys out there, maybe you could speak to just some frustrations that you had in raising young boys and maybe even give some advice to any boy moms that are out there. Well, I guess one of the first things that I thought about was especially as the boys started going, you know, they were preteens or, um, you know, any anything past eight, nine, ten. They needed their dads, really, and they wanted their dads more than me. And yet Al, at that point, was at the very peak of his career. And he was going to seminary. He was pastoring a church full time. 
And that was the very time he had the least amount of time. And yet they needed and wanted their dad more during that time. So that was a frustration <laughs> for me um, in raising two strong-willed boys. Uh, and I think you just have to really work at that as, with, as a couple to make sure that some of that happens, to make that a priority, even if it's maybe the, the wife does something to help the husband to spend time with those boys. She does something that he has to do so that he can spend time with the boys. I, we just felt like that was really, really important during that time. Uh, boys tend to be more independent. That kind of was a frustration at times. They didn't, <laughs> <need> <laughs> they got yeah. didn't need mom. And they seem to question my authority more than their dad's. And that was one reason we had family councils, because then I would be there to back me. And he would tell him, you know, son, you do not, if you do not obey your mom, you will answer to me when I come home. Yeah. And I think that's fairly typical with boys that they're going, they're going to think, especially as they get into the early teen years, they think they can kind of run over their mother. And I think one of the jobs of a good dad, and one way that a good dad can really make points with his wife is to step in anytime he hears any, any, any inkling of that in the way that they're treating their mother, and you step in between them and say, that won't happen here. That's not going to happen on my watch. And you need to, if you have boys, boy teenagers in the home, dads need to do that to keep from them, especially strong-willed children. They just, they just assert themselves. They're, they're <laughs> learning to assert themselves. And they've got to learn proper boundaries for that. And yeah. that was that was part of my job. And I can remember doing that very intentionally, very firmly, and uh, decisively with them. They understood that they would not ever speak to their mother that way again. And so, right. Yeah, yeah that, that united front is, is so important. Connie, I want to ask you a follow-up. Uh, you mentioned you had two very independent boys, and they were ready to be released probably when they're at a young age. So... Was that hard for you to kind of let them go and do that? Did you want to cling to them? Or, I mean, what was that like for you? Because that's hard for parents sometimes, right? When our kids don't need us anymore. It is. And I think you have to have your own life and have your own friends. You don't need to make, have your kids with your everything. Um, you know, Al and I, we had date night and we went out with friends. And I had friends that I went to lunch with. And I always had a business on the side. So I had that. And so just, you don't want your kids to be your total world. Mm -hmm. You need to have other interests. I was always involved in ministry with women and families. And so my kids weren't the only ones that I poured into and they knew that. Yeah. Good. Um, okay. Last question, Connie here for you. How, and, and I'll jump into how do we, disciple young kids is it possible to really you know disciple young ones is that something that's just for adults you know how do we set kids up to have their own faith as they grow up and, and really have them own it you know i think i think when they're little it's you know it's 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 age appropriate it's um um the storybook bible read you read bible stories to them you pray with them at night you pray with them at meals they, it is as Connie has said, you, 
you talk about God in your everyday language. You, you, you talk about nature. You talk about what you see. You pray for people. They hear you pray for people when there's needs because you believe there's a God that hears and that it makes a difference. And so you do all of that modeling a lot when they're younger, um, I would say. As our boys got older, we I can remember when they got into their early teens, we talked talk to them about having their own devotional time with God, their own quiet time with God. We made sure they had devotional again, age-appropriate devotional books and a, a Bible and stuff, and encourage them to begin to nurture their own individual relationship with the Lord and that it wasn't just for us. Um, and so probably about that time was when we started having a, uh, at the last thing at night, we'd have a prayer time. And it'd usually be after Connie and I were in the bed and we'd We'd tell the boys we're praying and if they were, you know, but we didn't make them. I said, if you, if you're studying or if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. And it was real funny. If they're home 90 plus percent of the time, they came crashing on the bed uh, <laughs> to, uh, to pray with us. And they wanted to have that, that, that bond to do that. Um, and again, just for us to pray together. And I, I'm guessing that's something they'll never forget. Yeah. And it wasn't so, always it wasn't always um easy because they'd come crashing in on <laughs> the bed. <laughs> and they'd be fighting or they would be you know trying to pinching start, each other to start up something or irritating Al or you know, just doing things that you'd think you just want to send them away, but right. it's worth putting up with that to yeah. do. So what I'm hearing you guys say is that the pattern of your life and the way you you live in front of and with your kids is way more important than what you say to them about what yeah, you believe, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can talk all you want about God and all these things, but if you're not putting it into practice, they, they're going to sniff that out a mile away and it's just going to be phony. So way to go. Right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Final question for you guys. Um how how do you see the church as being a support to parents? What does a healthy relationship between the church and parents look like as we as we try to team up to raise the next generation of Jesus followers? I can. Um, one thing that I would say is just be supportive. You know, there there's some families you've heard them. They go home and they roast the pastor. They you know they're very they're very negative toward different things. And that, that is not okay. Cause your kids take all that in and whatever you say, they will, they will exacerbate that. So I would say be supportive. Um, uh, I would say, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, let me jump um, in. I think the, um, the, obviously, the, 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 the primary um, molding unit is going to be the family. So whatever the church does is going to be supplemental to that. Now, God bless you, Jordan. You're, you're going to have some students that don't have, they don't get much support at home. And you're going, to be, you're going to be the spiritual input into their lives. And sometimes that has to happen. That is less than ideal. The ideal is that the primary unit is the family and we are secondary and supplemental to that 
with the youth group and the children's programs and any workshops and classes and books that we recommend, mm-hmm. all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and uh, sermons that we preach. So um, that's the way I think it should work. But kids typically really believe what they learn at home. And if it's not consistent with the church, mm-hmm. most kids are going to believe the home rather than the church. Um, so it's very important that there is that, 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 that the church and the family are, are singing the same song. One thing that I I just want to add is just never make God church boring. (laughs) Right. Just that, that is just wrong. Mm -hmm. So, and Jordan, I know you do not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm waving a $5 bill in front of Connie's face as she said that. So nice job, Connie. Yeah. Howard Hendricks. I I watched a, a series on teach biblical teaching through him a couple of years ago. And one thing he said was, you know, making the Bible boring as you teach it is right up there with heresy. Don't you dare make it boring. You have to engage people. You have to meet them where they're at. So yeah, that's so true. PA, last thing I wanted to get out of you guys before we go is you mentioned to me the four steps to intentional parenting. And I thought that was so good. And I would love if you shared that with us. Yeah. You know, it's actually a, a, it was a 12th, Avenue project about 15 years ago, a group of us got together, I think, with with some folks that were involved in children's ministry, and we kind of brainstormed about this and um, and, and actually put it into writing. We believed in, we, we believed in intentional parenting. And uh, again, it's, we need to be intentional about it. It's not just going to happen. And we believe that uh, the way we... we um, codified it was there were four principles that that I still remember, which is amazing, um, that intentional parents see parenting as a primary role, a primary role of their life. I, some would say the primary role. I would say your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse, if you have to create a hierarchy, comes before parenting, but they're all very, very important. Um, the second was that intentional parents model an active faith. There again is the idea of what you what you what you live out. So much more is caught than taught. Um, so um, you model an active faith. An active faith means it's not just we go to church on Sunday and we believe this about God. It's the way we live. It's the twenty four seven and not perfect because none of us get it perfect. But there needs to be consistency in what we're doing in our journey with Christ. The third, the third principle was intentional parents balance love and discipline. All discipline will create that resentment, that anger, uh, that exasperation I was talking about earlier. All love without training doesn't prepare your children to uh, properly, properly re- relate to authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, your children are going to deal with authorities from now on. They're going to deal with the teacher, the coach, the employer, the the policeman, the government, and ultimately we want them to learn how to live under the rule and reign of Christ. And so I believe this discipline. So there's got to be love and there's got to be discipline in what we do. And then the last one is one Connie mentioned earlier from, from uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits. And that is that intentional parents begin with the end in mind. And, and, and I, it's not original with me, but I read something a while back. It said this, we're not raising children. We're raising adults. <laughs> 
And what do you want to see with, you know, what do you want to see for you? What do you want to see in Maggie? What do you want to see in Jet? What do you want to see in them when they're 30 years old? Well, we can talk about success and, and education and making money and careers and all that. But I want to tell you, that's going to be very, very hollow if you don't see faith, if you don't see character, if you don't see them having healthy relationships with other people. So, you know, we, we need to think about these things. We need to give thought to this and how we're building those things. And I think it's, uh, was it the, uh, maybe you were there when we did the, uh, the grace-based parenting and it talked about some qualities, humility, and mm-hmm. I forget what else that we, we want to create in our children. Maybe that's a, a good resource for you folks. Um, there are folks that are listening to this to um, to get to springboard from that. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to mention a book by Henry Cloud and it's Boundaries with Boundaries with Kids. Yes, it's one of my favorites. Um, one of my very favorites. Yeah. So. yeah, we just we just started a resource center for our parents, and that's one of the books that's in there. So I'm glad yeah, that I've been doing. I, I've been doing that with my daughter-in-law, and I've been doing it with Brad before the if, pandemic if, hit. <laughs> if I if I were encouraging parents today to read one book, that would be it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We will make up some Earhart um, stickers and just stick the Earhart sticker <laughs> of approval on that book. So great. So it see it seems like there's a thousand things that parents feel like they have to remember to be good parents. But in reality, if you can just get those four, you yeah. will be light, light years ahead of 90% of families. So just really quickly, once again, one parenting is one of the most primary, if not the most primary role in your life Two, um, that you model an active faith, right? That, that these lifestyles, they're caught, they're not taught. Kids are going to see right through you. If you, Listen to the sermon on Sunday and then go to Applebee's and cuss out the waitress, right? They're just, they're not going to buy that. Three, that you balance love and discipline, um, that love without training is no good, right? So we can love our kids, but it's got to come with, with, uh, with some training. And then lastly, like you said, beginning with the end in mind and just realizing that we are raising adults. We're raising the next generation of Jesus followers and just thinking about what are the marks we want to hit with that. So cool. Okay. Um, that is it. We're, we're pretty close to our, our end point here. I was going to ask you this earlier, but I thought I'd change, I'd save it for the end. So do you guys have any like funny stories or touching stories or, you know, your boys are kind of wild. So wild stories just from your days when you're really parenting kids in your house. Oh, you know, I, I think lots of stories. Um, I remember the time that, that Brad was talking back to me at the supper table and I told him, I said, Brad, I've heard all I'm going to listen to. you got to stop talking or you're going to, to your room for an hour. And he just kept talking. And I said, two hours. He kept talking. Three hours. I think I got up to like six hours. But he was determined that he was going to have his say. And I had his six hours in the room. So, you know, you just sometimes that was, that was pretty humorous, I think. So I that's kind of that- – that's a pretty good look into, I think anyone who knows your boys, that's a pretty good look into just a little bit of who they are. Strong will, oh, yeah. a lot of talkative. Yeah, that's pretty great. That's, that's it. He was an attorney from birth. Yeah, <laughs> before he was legitimately. <laughs> that's true. That's so yeah. funny. Well, I, I just one that was really funny to me was we had, I had a big pot of geraniums out on the patio. You may have heard this, Jordan. 
But um, the boys had a playroom that had a door right, right near that geranium. And I could see it from the kitchen window when I was working in the kitchen. I noticed it started browning and started dying. And I was thinking, I'm watering that. I don't know what's wrong with that. And all of a sudden, I'd, I'd see that door open and the boys were urinating on that porch right And so we, we had to have a little talk about that. Little family council. Little family council. Family council, yeah. yeah. Where to pee, where not to pee. That's a big That's Right. And then just one more story. And this was with them as adults, really, as older. Brad came home from Baylor. And Brad is real stocky. He's always been very masculine. Even when he was two years old, he looked like a little Hulk. <laughs> and, um, and he one one Christmas vacation, he came home and a girl, a, a lady who was a friend of ours was going through a divorce and she was spending that time with us. And Brad showed all of us, ball- he took ballet that past <laughs> semester and was showing us ballet stances, which was pretty hilarious. If you could imagine him doing those stances, they, they weren't very. Nothing, under- nothing, nothing's out of bounds for your boys. That's what. No. Nothing is out of bounds. No, no. The, uh, I remember when uh, our boys were growing up, the Connie and I were runners. We would get out and run for exercise. So we decided probably when they were seven and 10, they need to exercise too. And so every day when they got home from school, they had, they had to walk or run a mile. Every day when they got home from school. <laughs> and, oh, they, they fought us on it. Oh, they just fought us. And I still can remember Brad. He was crawling, literally <laughs> crawling around the yard saying, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> the, the backside of that was Brad never forgot that. He has exercised to this day. And when he had children, he has them running now. And, in fact, his two oldest just placed in the state cross-country meet in Can- in Tennessee. And they were involved yeah. in the Junior Olympics. So <laughs> anyway. So, all from having our boys run around the yard. <laughs> so anyway, you know, you they, they catch more. You know, I would just encourage parents who are trying to do the right things. Your kids catch more than you think they do. Yeah. Man, I'm wishing I'm wishing I would have lived across the street from you guys raising your boys because we wouldn't even watch TV. We'd have just watched you guys the whole time. <laughs> uh, oh. you, your mom would have kept you away from my yeah. kids. <laughs> Get away from those Earhart boys. They're no good. Oh, they're, they're, they're preacher kids. Preacher kids. Yeah, those preacher <laughs> kids. Great. Guys, thank you so much for being with us. This has been fun and helpful for me, I think, for our listeners, too. And it's just good to hear y'all's voice again because we miss you a lot. And we're glad you're where you are. I know you're serving a purpose there. So keep well, keep doing that well. And we thank, we're thankful for the years we shared together with y'all in ministry there and just the good work that you and Garen and the others are doing. So God bless you. God bless you. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you. Right. Bye-bye.